0: Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Dubravac from Avrio Institute.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research.
0: You've reached another episode of Techspansive. Thanks for uh, joining us. We thought we would jump in to uh, look at all the things happening around big tech. Big tech is a, a topic de jour. It seems like every single day in the, the tech sphere. Uh, One of the things that Ross and I have have noticed is a tremendous amount of acquisitions that have been announced and that are coming. And uh, it's it's my premise that these companies are going to use this time to uh, make large acquisitions. They have a tremendous amount of cash. They're obviously very uh, large companies. Uh, just five companies represent 20% of the S&P 500. So five companies are equal to uh, 20% of the 500 largest companies in the uh, in the country. Those, of course, are Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft. The five. Yep. The big and, five, as uh,
1: they're sometimes called.
0: FANG, right? We can. Uh, yeah. And uh we we saw announcements this week from all of them about acquisitions. We saw that uh their Apple acquired California-based VR startup Next VR, valued at around a hundred million. Microsoft says it will acquire MetaSwitch Networks, a provider of visualized network software. And uh Uber, of course, looks like it's uh going after Grubhub. We know that uh in his prior life as the CEO of Expedia, there's an article this week from Bloomberg that talked about his 41 transactions there for a total value of almost 13 billion. One of the ways he grew Expedia to be the powerhouse that it that it is and, and was, I guess, prior to people no longer traveling, is through um, through acquisition. And it seems to be following that same pattern here with Uber. So. It's my sense that you're going to see more acquisitions from these companies. They'll be using the cash. They'll take advantage of the opportunity to buy companies that are looking for exit strategies in a, in a time period where there isn't a lot of other cash. And also they may be uh, looking to, to move on and, and to get out in a time period where it will be difficult to cover salaries and, and other costs that uh, were unforeseen just a few months ago.
1: Yeah, uh, certainly a lot of the volatility in, in the market is um, making things challenging for a lot of these uh, startups and maybe uh, you know medium-sized companies. I'm kind of struck by the variety of the acquisitions that range from straight competitive answers in the case of, say, Facebook uh, buying Giphy, uh, which is a response to... Google buying uh, one of Giphy's competitors, Tenor, uh, a while back. And basically, uh, these companies focus on GIF aggregation, which is, uh, GIFs have become a way to express all kinds of emotions. They're, They're sort of a, live somewhere in the middle of an emoji and a video. So uh, they've been very popular uh, in terms of generating memes um, and have really been integrated into a lot of the messaging uh, programs and and a lot of the the mobile keyboards even like uh, like Google's. So again, that is uh, like sort of a a straight competitive response. Uh, If you look at Apple's acquisition of NextVR, it's something of a content and production play as Apple builds out. Uh, not only its content capabilities, but uh, we see a story that uh, is now pinning the prediction of uh, AR glasses uh, to 2022, uh, but uh, but of course, they still have some AR capabilities on their, their phones and tablets today. Uh, Microsoft acquiring this provider of uh, telecom technology, a market that they have um, dabbled in. I would say over the years uh HP made a made an acquisition in that space recently as as well or, or launched a, a product there. So so uh a, a lot of different uh opportunities. Um uh with, with Uber, uh, certainly at least in terms of this Grubhub uh potential acquisition, it's not only a, a chance to try to consolidate the market, uh but uh but it's a it's of course something that would, would have somewhat impeccable timing uh, in, a, in a time when restaurants have been uh, forced into, into doing all these uh, deliveries. But also there's been a lot of um, scrutiny uh, in, in this space because uh, of the large commission fees that these, uh, these delivery services charge to restaurants that have attracted uh, the attention of, of regulators and CAPS uh, I think here in New York City, for example, uh, Mayor de Blasio and the city council just approved a, a cap of 5% commission, uh, which is a much lower number uh, than uh, I think uh, n- normally they the act, uh, commissions can go up to 30%. And we've seen other cities uh, introduce other caps, uh, although not as severe to my knowledge. Um, so... Uh, so really, really a, a gamut of things uh, focused from, in the Uber case, what's happening right now uh, to, this, uh, to this Apple acquisition, which might not really bear full fruit for another couple of years.
0: And when I think when you look at Uber, especially the economics for their Uber Eats weren't good prior yeah, to the Yeah, they weren't pandemic. great for
1: Grubhub either
0: right and so uh you know i think uber's bet here is on scale and that's uber's bet in in a lot of markets and and really many of these companies are betting on scale through these acquisitions and uh, that they can make the economics work when they have much bigger platforms to uh you know to leverage i'm surprised that a lyft doesn't also try to get in here this would be an easy way for them to quickly get into the the food business, food delivery business, obviously the traditional ride-hailing services have been decimated in the the current environment where people are just not taking ride-sharing. Uh, I've seen numbers that put it down as as much as eighty percent, so that uh, and that obviously wouldn't surprise me at all. And so you know, I got to believe that Lyft is also looking at this, but it probably a good move on Uber's front to try to create scale and get the economics to finally start working and and ultimately to get the economics to start working after the fact. To your point, Ross, though, with a lot of these caps and then just a general societal pushback where companies are trying to go direct to the restaurants, uh, the economics may never work here. And and this is really the piece of the Uber business that isn't working, at least prior to the pandemic, wasn't working and was keeping the, the company from wider-scale profitability?
1: Both uh, Uber and Lyft have also taken a hit uh, in terms of their investments in the micro-mobility segments, uh, e-bikes and uh, scooters and stuff. We've we've discussed on the podcast a a couple of times, uh, which really, uh, I mean, these were huge rollouts across many different cities. Uh, Some regulatory pushback, uh, you know, Uh, banned here in New York, for example, Uh, and even uh, had the economics not proven challenging there uh, prior, uh, you know, people are, are, those businesses would have struggled mightily in in terms of the uh, stay-at-home orders that uh, are are being enacted now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, In other news, one of the stories that we've followed in, in recent weeks is the push towards uh, video and, and obviously uh, more companies are turning to Zoom. Zoom stock as we speak is up significantly from where it was in January. Uh, they've hit some roadblocks along the way, of course. There were security issues and it seems like on a daily basis we're getting Zoom updates, which uh, in, in many ways is impressive on their part to quickly pivot and be able to to solve some of these pretty large security concerns, and
1: and also speaking of acquisitions, uh, Zoom had an acquisition of a security company that seemed to happen in you know thirty seconds, uh, and and they're uh, they're integrating that technology for more secure uh, calls and and reduce the zoom bombing phenomenon that got them banned uh, from, for example, uh, again here in New York, uh, the, the board of
0: education. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, it doesn't uh, surprise me, um, especially from the stories that I've heard from you, Ross, about uh, (laughs) what what can be Zoom- Alternative
1: education, yeah.
0: That's right. Right. Um, Well, and you know, other things I've seen from Zoom lately, I I noticed that they've started to integrate Otter AI into some of their their feeds and uh, providing live transcriptions of the call. I think that's phenomenal. Uh, you and I have both used Otter AI for different things, but to see it integrated right into Z- Zoom calls makes a, l- a lot of sense. Uh, to jump into this market and to compete, we've seen companies like Google pivot their video services. And they've got Google Meet, which they now are providing on a wider basis for free. I think, Ross, you noted they were offering it to all um, G Suite. Yeah, G Suite through September they've integrated it right into the gmail i don't remember seeing it in the gmail um, menu feature but they've integrated it right in there so they're clearly trying to trying to compete i'm surprised that the zoom stock actually hasn't incorporated some of that information the market seems to suggest that uh, that zoom is well entrenched as the default video conferencing services for for at least for corporate america and and broader uh, corporate players and participants but uh hasn't really been too concerned at least yet about some of the the competitors but as we started off in our podcast talking about the scale of some of these companies it's it's a service that Google could easily offer for free they could mm-hmm. open it up widely mm-hmm. they could offer it for free without a problem maybe they run an advertisement at the bottom uh, at some point but they could easily uh come in and and uh, offer this as many of these large companies have done in the past, create a service and offer it for free in a market that has become very competitive. Well, all of
1: these services are offered on a freemium basis. So, you know, they all give away some level of functionality. (laughs) Zoom, for example, if you have only two people on the call, Uh, you can chat uh, away for as long as you like, but if you have more than two people, you are limited to a 40 minute call uh, unless you pay. Um, Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams, this has been the most successful or fastest growing product that Microsoft has ever launched and it's really not surprising. Uh, Zoom and Slack uh, have done a lot of the marketing groundwork Proving out the concept of the yeah, value, um,
0: definitely, and it,
1: it's it, to me, it's it's fascinating how the success of these products crystallize uh, for the big players. Uh, like again, Microsoft and Google provide validation of what the market actually wants in a solution like this. So, for example, uh, and I think Microsoft and Google are are an interesting contrast because they both struggled on different ends of the Slack uh, Zoom uh, feature set, right? So Microsoft is has been somewhat infamous for offering too many choices when it comes to chat, messaging, collaboration, environments. They, they have SharePoint, they have Yammer, they have things within Office, you know. And Teams came along and while it doesn't necessarily obviate uh, all of those things, uh, well, it doesn't you know, necessarily make them irrelevant. Um, it, it really becomes the, the focus uh, of uh, the centerpiece of, of uh, the communication strategy, and they can build out links to things like SharePoint, you know, as something that's complimentary. Google has had, uh, has also struggled with chat uh, more on the consumer side, uh, but has really struggled in terms of vi- video and messaging. Um, they they had Allo, which they killed. They had Duo, which they're looking at um, adding multi, multi-user multi capabilities to. Uh, they've had um, uh, Hangouts, right? And uh, right. Sean, as you and I were chatting a bit, when Hangouts was first introduced, it was uh, fairly impressive from a, a technology uh standpoint, the, the performance was very good, but Google had no interest or capability in terms of targeting enterprises. Now that G Suite has grown uh, over the past years uh, to a point where it has become a legitimate rival to office, uh, they, I would say that they are driven as much by trying to counter the growth of teams as trying to take some of the wind out of the sails of Zoom.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that's happened is that as we've all moved to a work from home environment, everything becomes a bit more consumer centric. And sure. so there's a little less of a division between what's happening in the enterprise and what's happening in, in your own home. Though I, I will say that it does look like if you've got one of these entrenched software platforms in your enterprise already, you're probably leveraging its capabilities at a much greater rate than you were prior to the pandemic. I know companies that are using Slack, for example, have started to use the Slack call features and, mm-hmm. and other things within the Slack environment because they're already operating in that quite heavily. Uh, teams obviously benefits from that same I- embedded nature and, and um, kind of legacy, you know, legacy standpoint.
1: Slack and Zoom have uh, done some co-marketing uh, mm-hmm. over, over the years. Uh, and I think, uh, Sean, to your point about, the value, you know, as the long-term value reflected in the stock, the giant question is how permanent does all of this become, right? And I've seen many articles postulating that uh, there, we never go back to normal and, you know, people will never return to uh, to offices. And uh, I, I, you know, that seems uh, like an exaggeration to me. I, I think it's more likely that there will be more tolerance for working. From home uh, and I think we have you know seen that um, ebb and flow over the years you know where telecommuting was was first embraced and there was great environmental impact and and then you know we saw a backlash a couple of years ago with companies like HP and Yahoo uh, banning telecommuting saying hey you know you get maximum productivity when everyone is together I mean, even now uh, we were chatting a bit about apple. I, I saw a story how Apple is uh, being more aggressive than some of the other major Silicon Valley companies in getting people back uh, into their offices, although it is starting with people who, for whatever reason, don 't have a good uh, an easy time working from home uh, because of maybe you know k- kids or, or or other obligations. Um, so it's, I, I think they're sort of starting on a voluntary basis for now, but a lot of people prefer working in an office. So,
0: Well, and I, I wonder, uh, you know, the juxtaposition to Apple is, of course, Twitter, who came out and said, you can work from home forever. Mm, uh, I did not see that. Captured, wow. a lo- captured a lot of headlines this week. Where, uh, oh, with, ju- with,
1: Jack, with Jack in Africa. You know, uh, do as I do, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, you've got Twitter working from home forever, essentially, and and Apple saying, come back next week. I think uh, some of it is the difference between hardware developers and software developers who need to be, you know, who need to do some of that coordination in real time. And especially when it comes to the manufacturing of that, there's a lot of tooling that needs to be done and there's a lot of other things that need to be done in physical space that can't be done easily Remotely. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big challenge for a lot of manufacturers as they try to come out with new products. They need to actually have engineers in these facilities overseeing some of the work that's being done so that they can problem solve in real time in order to scale up uh, production. So there is this juxtaposition that's happening i think in in the one environment where they say you know work from home forever then this does become a little bit of the new norm there will be i think more video conferencing and maybe it becomes an environment where you've got always on cameras and you've got uh, you know i i i foresee a period where you could easily have maybe some robots that have cameras and we've seen prototypes of this where you could move them around the office and so you could Uh, yes come into somebody's office if they looked like they were not busy, which is a little (laughs) different than, you know, uh, calling them blindly without knowing. But I've seen companies that are already doing always on video for their remote workers. And so that way you can kind of tell if they're at their desk or if they're, uh, you know, available. And it's less about monitoring in many of these situations and more about just trying to have some of those serendipitous interactions that happen in an office space that are kind of difficult to replicate in a digital environment. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. So speaking of uh, Apple and uh, producing hardware, uh, that brings us to our our next discussion, uh, which is uh, a slew of rumors about things that uh, Apple is looking to introduce for uh, the next year or two. Um, Most of them shouldn't be too shocking. A 10.8-inch iPad in the second half Uh, a new, uh, that would probably be the iPad um, Air, maybe. Um, uh, The uh, iPad, new iPad mini in the first half of uh, 2021. And uh, this article predicts AR glasses with laminated lens in 2022 at the earliest. And that uh, clearly has been the product that uh, people have been most excited and curious about um, when Apple will take their franchise in augmented reality and uh, bring it into a device that might be the uh, might, might might potentially uh, evolve into the successor uh, to the uh, to the smartphone in terms of a, a computing platform. And um, we chatted a little bit about that uh, when we mentioned the next VR uh, acquisition earlier. More recently, uh, here in the present, Apple announced the uh, iPhone SE, which is uh, getting good reviews. And it's, uh, it's uh, I believe, a $400 uh, phone that uses a lot of the components from a phone that they released, uh, I guess, uh, you know, a year or two ago. Uh, but uh, but uh, very good imaging. Uh, they put the latest processor in it. And so... Uh, it's uh, it's it's getting uh, very good very good reviews, uh, and uh, in terms of the pricing, you know, in terms of um, uh, where a, a lot of the economic uh, uncertainty is now, with with a lot of folks um, uh, dealing with uh, job losses and unemployment, uh, but still want to upgrade to the latest uh, iPhone operating system. This is uh, probably the best timed uh, product that that Apple has uh, released in, in some time, uh, so uh, you know Sean, it also uh, mirrors uh, Samsung uh, bringing its a series mid range phones uh, to to the u s uh, whereas before they were focusing much more on the, the high end uh, galaxy s uh, series so um, uh, we've been talking about the slowdown in the smartphone market for for a long time in the premium segment. Uh, has it finally hit reality, do you think uh with with the economic malaise that that we 're going to see
0: well I think there's a couple of things there 's obviously the economic environment but but working from home we 've actually seen laptop usage shoot up significantly more than smartphone usage so mm-hmm. uh, as it turns out when we actually have to do real work remotely we 're still turning to to laptops and I think if we look at the, the timing of everything, you know, the the timing I look at is you probably have a vaccine by early next year. Uh, everything I've seen suggests that, that it would be a miracle to have anything by the end of the year. And then it probably takes at least 12 months to really disseminate the vaccine. So we're looking at the beginning of 2022 before we probably really start to drive uh, traditional, you know, m- Mobility, economic mobility, if you will, like we 've seen in the past and and that mirrors what we saw after nine eleven It took about two to two and a half years before flight volume and, and flight traffic was as high as it was prior to nine eleven Now these are different environments, so obviously the um, the number of people traveling today is close to zero compared to where it was pre pandemic Maybe that comes back a little bit quicker than it did in nine eleven but I think to get above those numbers, it's probably two 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 and a half years. You have some companies, as we just noted, that are going full time remote. And so they'll be using traditional desktops, laptops. I think there's a pretty high demand right now to build out home offices mm-hmm. and have everything that you would need from multi monitors to adjustable desks to ring lights for your Zoom calls. And so uh, I, I think that there's definitely a lot of headwinds against smartphones right now, especially <laughs> smartphones. You know, if, if you think what was the killer feature of a smartphone? Two things, right? Good camera and a great battery life. Uh, what I wouldn't give right now to see, oh, t- only twenty percent battery life or only ten percent battery life. I better find an outlet. Uh, I haven't ha- <laughs> I haven't needed that in months. Right. So so. Um, you know, I think that the feature sets that are important on these devices are ch- are changing pretty quickly. Now, I don't think all of them are long-term shifts, but in the short term, it definitely is a headwind against mobile phone sales. Mm.
1: Which which I find fascinating because there's still so much investment happening in 5G and talk about 5G. But, but maybe the deployment uh, rationalization has shifted more from... You know mobility everywhere to just better bandwidth with within the home you know in, in in a stationary setting
0: well definitely so if you think about the benefits of of 5g it's multiple devices right and so that is definitely what's happening in the home today where uh, i'll have three children on six devices because they mm-hmm. have not only the laptop they're using for school but they have their smartphone that they want to use for their personal messaging or, or for anything else and so we have a lot more devices that are are live on the network at any given moment and then also really ultimately the value of 5g is not going to be found in your smartphone it's going to be found in your industrial settings your manufacturing facilities your hospitals your uh you know stadiums now we may not unleash that value anytime soon and and i think that's kind of another interesting thing that's changing right now is if you look at a lot of the capital that was deployed in our country it's built about it's built around some type of congestion mm-hmm. right it's transportation networks that are designed to handle a lot of congestion it's sports stadiums it's shopping malls you know it's all these things that are that are designed to kind of manage and accommodate a lot of congestion and uh, And that's obviously changed pretty significantly to a, to a home environment at least for the the short term and that short term could be twelve to twenty four months
1: Well, uh, the thing we wanted to to close on was um, uh, another company that is uh, trying to take advantage of some of the down market conditions, uh, which is Huawei, uh, which of course has been struggling uh, with the ban on u s technology that has prevented them from shipping phones outside of China that have the Google ecosystem on it. So what they have done uh, has been to take one of the phone models that they introduced prior to the ban uh, and re-release it as a new edition with uh, slightly better specs, uh, but still under the original brand uh, called the P30 New Edition. And this has allowed them to Continue to ship the Google ecosystem because it was licensed for for that phone. So uh, that will buy them uh, perhaps a little bit more time, even if it undercuts uh, some of their their latest and greatest. Uh, and uh, as uh, we were as Sean and I were discussing uh, earlier, the uh, the challenges that the company faces, um, at least here in the U.S., uh, precede the, the current administration. Uh, which of course has had uh, you know much back and forth with China. Uh, and so this this allows them to perhaps buy uh, a, a bit more more time uh, if uh, if there's a, a change of um, uh, change of, of uh, administration uh, in November or January. Uh, but uh, but for now it's uh, it's kind of a clever band-aid uh, that uh, that they can use to slow down the decline.
0: Well, and if you think about their audience, it's actually a great idea. Probably really good timing because you have, uh, as I just noted, more kids at home. They're right. on devices, but they're also always on a Wi-Fi network. So you don't mm-hmm. maybe necessarily care about the cellular connectivity component of right. That. They're not five G phones, right? Yeah, and and you don't need them. You probably don't even need to activate the five uh, the uh, the cellular the um, cellular connection for those at for, for most of them, if, you know, depending upon what your use case scenario is, but um, I, I think about that could be a great device, good solution for adding another device, another screen into our household if we needed it. And uh, it would be a, you know, kind of a good band-aid in this current environment. So...
1: All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to uh, wrap up our discussion for this week. Uh, As always, we thank you for joining us and hope you all stay safe and healthy. Uh, I am Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin.
0: And I'm Sean Duberbeck. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Duberbeck. And we look forward
1: to joining you again in the near future.